everybody. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I have CrossFit athlete and HWPO coach, Jake Marconi. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. I So how I found you was I actually watched uh, the Matt Fraser YouTube video when you were coaching those guys <laughs> when Bakey was filming it. And so I was like interested because I, I knew you're, I heard you're from New England. And so I was like, okay, I got to yep. get another New England girl on because I've never had another one on. And, um, Never and I also talked to Vake. Yeah, I, I don't. Th I think you're the first one. Oh no, no, I, I had Chief O'Keefe on, so you're the second. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. My, my, yeah. My bad, my he's bad. he's OG New England. He's way before me. Yeah, I I actually have known him since my early twenties. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk outside we'll, of just yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk later about it. But um, but yeah. So um, I wanted to get you on and kind of see you know, your experience with HWPO and obviously going to the games. And I, I was listening to another podcast and you were talking about like your early stages of like fitness and how you got started. Can you kind of talk yeah. about that? Yeah. Uh, so people will hear it on the other podcast as well as this one. Uh, I started working out like the very traditional story of why people start working out as fat kid, uh, I was like 5'3 and like 160 pounds. I was a little like bowling ball in middle school. And I just went to my parents and they were always into fitness and they were into fitness though in this way that is, I feel like uncommon now where it was just, in a, it was just a part of their lives and it wasn't a hobby. It wasn't like a big deal. They were just always into fitness. Um, and my dad is like, a man's man uh not in a negative way but yeah. he he always was doing like feats of strength or tests of strength like as, for as long as i can remember he would do handstand push-ups against like our our bedroom door and he would try to do pistols and see and get me to see if like i could do pistols like way before i ever started working out with him uh and he would never do those when he was working out he like mostly drank PBR and bench press in the basement. <laughs> um, so <coughs> he was always just kind of like strength. He was impressed with strength and would always try to do like feats of strength. Mm -hmm. And so I went to them and, and told them that I wanted to get into fitness. I don't, I probably didn't phrase it like that. I went to them and I was like, I want to not be fat anymore. And so my mom started waking me up and we'd go for a walk around the block in the morning like a short walk, but it was just something to get moving and yeah. kickstart that. Uh, and looking back, both of them knew a lot of the truths of fitness uh, just from life, not from any gimmicky things. They were like, hey, you should probably just start walking to school or riding your bike to school or walking in the morning. Like really simple stuff that us as coaches tell people who are trying to lose weight. We're like, hey, just walk more. Mm -hmm. And it is so, it's like on Oxygen Magazine. It's like, walk 10,000 steps a day. Uh, my parents were just like, no, that's what you do. <clears throat> um, so I started walking with my mom, and then I would come home from school, and my dad would just start telling me calisthenics to do. So I'd get home, and he'd go, hey, let's do 20 push-ups. Uh, and I'd do 20 push-ups, and he'd go, all right, let's do a 60-second wall sit. And so him, he, and he would work out with me. Uh, we would do push-ups, wall sits. We had one of those little trampolines, like yep. the indoor trampolines. Yep, I know exactly what that is. He'd make me do, yeah, high knees on that and tough jumps. Uh, we did box jumps up onto the bed. We had an ab wheel. He, he 
still does this. He's 74. He's got an ab wheel in his bedroom, their bedroom, before he goes into the shower. He will ab wheel three sets of 20 and then get in the shower <laughs> and then come out and then do three more sets of ab wheel and push-ups. He's 74. Uh, and so we did a ton of that stuff. And I remember sitting in school the next day being so sore through my core and liking it. And so I, I would come home every day and start ask, asking to work out. And eventually, we probably did that for six months, I think all of seventh grade. And then he handed me this yellow crusty sheet of paper. I posted it on my Instagram the other day after I had done that podcast. And it had this laundry list of exercises. And it just covered every body part. And they were like the traditional exercise bent over rows, bench press, curls, squats. Uh, and I actually forgot this until I looked back at it. It was to be done on Monday, Thursday, and Friday, which must have just been the schedule that worked out for him yeah. back in the day. Or he had a typo and didn't care to go back to fix it because that would be very my dad. But uh, I did it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and twice a week I would do – like three sets of 20 and once a week I would go three sets of eight to 10 and go much heavier circuit style. And we had a cool little gym in the basement, which maybe after this podcast, I'll post another picture of uh, that they had always had uh, growing up. And I, we used to, when I was really young, they would fill um, laundry detergent, like the fabric softener, the yeah. smaller ones yeah. with water so that I could curl them. Oh, sweet. That's very cool. Yeah. It didn't work. My biceps are still very small, but <laughs> I learned curls really early. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so just through that, I got super into lifting and like super into powerlifting and started consuming as much internet information as I could. I spent a ton of time on my phone, and my teachers in high school would be like, "Stop texting, put your phone away," and I would, or they would take it away, and I'd turn it, and they'd be like, "It'd be like some ripped up dude," and they'd be like, "What are you looking at?" And it was like a T Nation article, yeah, um, yeah. how to get bigger biceps or stronger bench press. Very cool. So that was my progression. And my football team got really into training with me and me training with them. And we eventually made our way into a CrossFit gym because we needed to find a bigger space to train that wasn't my basement. Uh, and we had our best two seasons after that. And I think probably, yes, we got stronger for sure. But we also were just doing something as a team outside of practice and just got much better at working together. Yeah, and then I stayed at that CrossFit gym when I finished high school football. And there was a group of folks there that adopted me into their training group. Uh, and I started competing right away. So I did the Open in 2015 and didn't do like super well or anything. But after that Open, my goal was to make it to regionals. Very cool, very cool. And I and I know from that other podcast that you actually your your football coach told you to be, hey, can you be like the strength and conditioning coach? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. It so, was like it wasn't very official, but yeah. it was just he allowed me to to guide our programming, so, which was really cool. Awesome. So, other than T Nation, did you read like any other books at all, or did you read anything else? Or because typically, because obviously, like a lot of people don't really have that, you know. A, a dad like that, that that knows fitness well like your dad so they kind of like work on their own and like do watch like read a men's fitness article or anything like that so yeah so i started my mom and i my mom always ran her own 
businesses and I grew up on a farm. And so we spent a ton of time together. And one of the things that we would do all the time was there's this plaza in our town that had a Dunkin' Donuts. And on the other end of it was a CVS. And so every Sunday after we'd go to church, we'd go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee. And then we'd go over to CVS and I could get something. And that was my entire, like, for as long as I can remember, we've done this. And still when I go home to visit, I'm home on a Sunday, we go to church, get a Dunkin' Donuts, and then we go buy something at CVS. Like, the people that work at the CVS must win an award because they have been there for literally as long as I can remember. Uh, So I go in now, and I'm like, oh, my God, you still work here? And they're like, yep, how are you been? Like, I remember you when you were a little kid. Uh, But long story short, I would – my mom would give me a muscle and fitness magazine – every Sunday or however frequently they came out. Yeah. So muscular development, muscle and fitness, we would, I would read cover to cover. Um, and I remember in one of the articles, this was really early on. I must've been in like eighth grade, maybe going into ninth grade. I found, uh, an article on Chad Wesley Smith who okay. owns juggernaut training systems yep. Yep. and the internet was a lot smaller back then. So I found the juggernaut training program and found his website and consumed all his articles he was still writing every article on the website he was really young i think he was like 22 or 23 at the time facebook was much smaller and huge social media presence wasn't really a thing so i just reached out to him and he gave me a ton of advice and chatted uh and around the same time there's a guy that not if you're into powerlifting and you know like the OG powerlifters, you know who this guy is, but most people don't. His name is Clint Darden. Uh, I've heard of him. I, 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 I know a lot of people. Well, I've heard know of, of a lot of people. I've never heard of him. Yep. He's one of the original, or, or I don't know how original he is, but he's one of that crew that was like, uh, I don't know if he ever trained at Westside, but he was just around all those guys. So he's like of the same era as Jim Wendler, Dave Tate, uh, all those guys. And so I think I reached out to him on Facebook. I'll have to go back. I'm sure it's still in my messenger somewhere. I reached out to him on Facebook and he ended up programming for me for a while. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like this 13 year old kid that reached out. He lived in Cyprus or lives in Cyprus and we still kind of keep in contact to this day. And he taught me a ton through that and is a very accomplished powerlifter, like 700 plus back squats, uh, He's a strong man as well. And he programmed for me for a while. And so I was consuming that information directly from him. I remember we had a Skype call one day that started it all off. And I was probably a freshman in high school at this point. So I read everything on Juggernaut Training Systems. They released multiple ebooks that I bought. Brandon Lilly was another powerlifter that was like of that era. And he had the cube method. And so I own all of his books and read all those um, elite FTS. They still do this, but it was probably much more active back then. They had a Q&A forum. Mm-hmm. And so they had like, it was really cool. It'd be like if CrossFit had every CrossFitter that was in the top 20 in the world on Rogue had like a Q&A. So you could go like ask BKG questions and cool. he would respond to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they still do it. It's really cool. So they had a forum, and all these guys would respond, like, all the time. So you'd go in there and ask some questions, or you could just go through and read through, like, 
pages of questions that if you were having, like someone else probably also had. And so that was most of my content consumption. Uh, and in hindsight, I wish I had done more like bodybuilding consumption because I would be much more jacked in my upper body. But uh, I worked out my posterior chain and my squat a ton through high school, and it it seems to have paid off. Yeah. So I I heard that you do at fifteen you you deadlifted five hundred pounds. Four. Oh, four hundred. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, fourteen. I my first powerlifting meet I deadlifted four hundred. Okay. Um, and then my junior year of high school i think i pulled 500 that's insane it hasn't gone very far since so but still like, <laughs> take it for what you I, I i there's no way i can get near 500 there's like no way so if you see me i'm like taller than o'keefe oh wow okay so i'm like six, six so you're yeah you're a big guy yeah so it's like it pulling is like this super hard for me but it's like for the cleans and snatches i do okay for my for my yep. height and everything like that but Deadlifting has always been an issue. Always. I've got my arms are much longer than I am tall, and so and I'm short, so I'm kind of built to deadlift well. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So uh, when did you get involved with CrossFit? <sighs> so technically, probably 2014 is when the football team joined the CrossFit gym. But we were doing very strength and conditioning style workouts. Uh, but we were learning. The guy who owned the gym started a gym in Kuwait and so he came home and started the CrossFit gym and it was really really OG CrossFit done super super well like I remember every time we trained on Tuesdays and Thursdays we'd go through the Bergner warm-up we would do like the OG I'll have to see if I can find this video on YouTube there's an OG CrossFit stretching sequence. It's like Sorensen hold, um, or not Sorensen, Samson stretch, yep. your arms over your head, and then like elbow to the ground, and then bottom of the squat for two minutes, uh, and a bunch of other things. So we did that, and we learned like the 10 general physical skills and, and all of those things, but our actual programming was much more along the lines of we would do a lift, and then we would do some type of conditioning that was with sleds or something explosive. Mm -hmm. And so when I really probably started doing CrossFit was 2015, when I started training with the folks there who were trying to be competitive. Very cool. And obviously, like, yeah. I'm a big fan of like proper form, too. And it's, pro and it's probably good that they didn't just go to like some like global gym and like, or you guys did. And we're like, yeah. You know, okay, here you go. Have at it, and like, just have like awful form, and then like, just get completely wrecked like later on in life. I was actually talking to somebody at my gym or at the gym that I go to and coach at. They were, they were talking about how they worked with high school athletes, and were just like, "What is happening here? Mm -hmm. like, why can't anybody lift?" And I, we've had high school athletes come into the gym as well. And the only experience I'm working off of is my experience and everybody on our team, like lifted pretty well and pretty heavy. Uh, and then you have high school athletes who come in and you're like, all right, we're going to bench. And they take the bar out of the rack and it like yep. falls on it. I, I see it and then they that. press it up. Yeah. Like what's happening here? So yeah, we lucked out with having uh, some really good, good instruction. Yeah. So why do you think that's, that's happening? Uh, I think 
there's I, I really just think it's your instruction, right? Like yeah. who, because that baseline, your instinct is not necessarily to take the bar out of the rack, let it settle, and then like load that pattern as you come down and explode, right? Mm-hmm. When you're a 14, 15, 16 year old kid and you're looking at a bench press, all you see is that the bar started here and it went here and it comes back up here. <laughs> Right, like that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you have good instruction, and this is true of adult, adults as well, if you get good instruction from the from the start, then you you're on a much more linear path to getting stronger or having good technique or not getting injured. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So as a coach, how do you start people from like the like the, the very beginning to like you know proper form? So the gym that I trained at, coached at, and just been a part of for the last six years. It's called Full Range Fitness. It's here in Providence. And we, they did a really good job. They started two, three years before I got there. Uh, They have a really solid onboarding process. And it's multiple evolutions since I've been there. But one of the big things that we program at the gym, we, Adam writes all of the programming for the gym. He owns it with his wife, Alicia. and he programs all the workouts, there's a ton of tempo work. And so we do just, we have two tracks. We have fitness and a performance track. And on the fitness track, almost everything has a tempo. Mm-hmm. And so it forces people not only to build that that strength, but it forces people to slow down and think about it, okay. right? So yeah. like, hey, we're going to do this with a 3, 2x, 1 tempo. And for somebody new, I care much less that they're doing three seconds exactly and much more that they're just slowing down enough to go, that was weird and kind of self-correct. And so I can't take any credit the way that they have built their onboarding process and the way that they have built their fitness programming just allows for you to learn form. And it creates a space for a coach to come over and be like, Hey, we're going to change this. And when you have a three second tempo, there's room to change that. There's also room for me, the coach to, while you're lifting, say something and you can make the correction mid lift. Yeah. So, um, so and then you, you just get a solid base to build off. Of. Yeah. So do you have any like funny cues you like kind of say to coach it like to like clients and stuff so they can like stick in their head and be like, Oh, when you say like a certain oh, thing, you'd be like, question. Oh, okay. And now I know. Now I remember, never mind, never. Yeah. I maybe used to, I've become, I've always been this way, but I've probably become more so a much more wordy coach than is necessary. Yeah. Uh, and I often, like, if you ask people that I coach, I very rarely give a pointed cue. I'll explain it, like, for a while and be like, hey, here's the cue, but here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that doesn't work. And I do try to just come over and be like, squeeze your feet or send your butt back. But no, I don't really have funky cues. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody who's like, hey, he says this really weird thing. Uh, but off the top of my head, I don't, I don't often use funky cues. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've used, I used to be a personal trainer back in the day and I had a couple of funky cues that I've used and like, for some reason it sticks. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Like one of them is, uh, I call it Miley Cyrus. So if you need to stick your butt back, it's almost like twerking. And so yep. like, you know, like say like Miley Cyrus and they're like, oh, okay. And then like King Kong is like, when you stick your chest out, especially in a deadlift, just like hold, hold your chest out and like King Kong. So they're ready, and then tabletop is like you know flat back, and then um, I like those. Yeah, and then oh, you froze. Then the one I do for um, 
for like cycling like barbell like push presses or like or regular strict presses i call it pigeon so you have the bar here your head's back and then when you push it up you put your head through the window and it's almost like a pigeon walking when they're constantly like moving their head back and forth i like that yeah <laughs> i might have to steal that for hey, me. I'll, I, I'll give you credit twice okay cool yeah all, all for it go for it i have no problem because I, I don't i don't personal train anymore so you're good <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll gonna use that. Right. That isn't. I do find that's a hard one to coach. Cycling the barbell yeah. overhead is tough. Yeah, I always that because like I've always seen people like get really close to the nose and kind of like almost hit it. Because I've done it before. Because yeah. like there was when I started at CrossFit, I was doing like working at a global gym, doing like a three hundred workout, and then like looking at like the CrossFit.com workouts, and then they said do a strict press, and. I didn't realize it. Like you got to put your head back and then put your head through. So, right. I actually hit my nose and it was like really sharp knurlings on the bar, and like literally my nose just, just started scraped up. Yeah, scraped it so bad, I was bleeding and I had to like leave because it was like bleeding so bad. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I swear I thought I needed stitches. That's how bad it was. Oh, the amount of chins I've seen people just yep. take out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting, but it's. You know, they look. That's how you learn, pretty much. Sometimes. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, obviously, you said you started doing CrossFit in 2015. When did you start yep. realizing that, like, hey, you know, I can make this into, you know, I can get pretty serious in this in this like field. To be honest with you, I started when I did that open in 2015. I immediately was like, all right, next goal is to make regionals. And it took me three more years to do it. Uh, but yeah, going into CrossFit, I had intentions of competing the whole time in a less traditional way than like the guy that walks in the gym. It's like, I want to make the games. Like, all right. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And we did the open and I was like, oh, cool. I'll compete in this. Like, this is really fun. Mm -hmm. um, fun, air quotes, right? But uh <laughs> Yeah, immediately I started wanting to compete. Very cool. And so you had um, – I'm trying to remember what year. I don't have it off the top of my head, but you actually placed 19th in the Open? Yeah, in 2018. Yeah, that's, the, that's the year I made regionals. Yeah, and then when you went to regionals, like I, I remember on the podcast I listened to, they had someone come up to you in your face and like, hey, you ready to go to the games or whatnot? So like, yeah. what, what, was, what was your – you know, what were your thoughts going through regionals? You know, was it all the hype that you ever thought of, and is no. it more like sanctionals or like what? What are your thoughts on like both of those? Uh, so, a couple of things. Yeah, it was not everything that I thought that it was going to be, but I, nothing ever is, right? Um, I had been trying to make it like so I graduated high school. It was like that was the whole purpose of my being was making regionals, uh, and so I made it. And we made it in a way that it, we didn't expect. We were like, we're, we're trying to take 20th place in the region. We're trying to just get there. Uh, and I did a little bit better in the open than we expected <clears throat> and put some maybe undue pressure on myself, but still was going to regional very much just there for the experience. Uh, and so I went in telling myself, hey, I'm here for the experience. The, the stupid athlete side of me was like, I'm not doing as well as I want to, mm -hmm. 
even though I probably did as well as like I possibly not could have, but should have. Yeah. Given that I had very little experience competing in that environment. I'm competing next to guys that I have watched compete at the games. And because I don't want to say that I idolized them because the whole time I was like, man, I, I think that I can make it there. Uh, but yeah, I, I made it to regionals and made it into the last heat for the first day. So like I made it in a high enough seating to be in the best heat. And that first workout was triple three and then Linda. So that was day one. Triple three is like a pretty good workout for me. And I didn't do well on it, which was fine. Like I wasn't that bummed. I just, I cramped up and like it wasn't a good performance and left. It was like, all right, I know what I need to do differently. And then I went out on Linda and got just mopped up, like completely <laughs> mopped up because I'm competing. I was competing against all these dudes that were so much stronger than I was. Um, and that's exactly like I finished exactly where I was capable of finishing mm-hmm. in that competition. And so I didn't leave disappointed in my placement. I left disappointed in, it, in that I had built it up and it like wasn't what I thought it was. But in hindsight, it was super cool to be able to go to the last regional. Yeah, really cool. And that was the last year they ever did it. Yeah, and obviously it's like a big learning experience for you too. So you're like the next year you're like, okay, I need to work on this, this, and this. And so it's like, I mean, I'm all for experiences, especially with like the new people going into like, you know, sanctionals and stuff like that. They have no idea what they, what's going on. And then kind of like see like what's going on from here. So. Yeah, I, I have felt every competition I've done since there has been a lot of learning that has happened uh, to the point where, so last year I didn't think I was going to compete. A lot of stuff happened. Uh, I gained a training partner and then a couple of more training partners towards the latter half of the year that like made everything much more fun again. And so competing at Granite Games this year, I walked in in this weird mixed feeling where I was like, I haven't competed since 2019. It's 2021, like early summer. So it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really remember who I am as a competitor, but also getting there and having the opposite feeling of being like, I've done this so many times, like got called to the heats and, and done it. Uh, so by the end of the weekend, I was like very much back in tune with myself that yeah. uh, started the weekend not that way at all <laughs> uh which again is like a big learning experience and on the first day learned a lot of things um and matt and sammy were out there at granite games and so i had been testing the programming and matt was out there and on the field for every workout and was super super helpful all weekend and sammy was texting me after day one she ran into my mom in the lobby and my mom was like yeah i'm so worried about jake he like didn't eat after two o'clock on day one and we competed at like nine, nine o'clock. Yeah. And I even, I was like, I always stop eating pretty, pretty far before I train or I compete. So I didn't think of anything. And Sammy texted me the, the next morning. It was essentially like, Hey, dumb, dumb, you should probably eat more. Uh, and like got me some Snickers and some fruit snacks and was just like hammering me all day. Like eat, eat, eat. Uh, and so the rest of the weekend went much better once I kind of settled back in. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. It great. is interesting, though, to watch. There's a lot of guys at Granite Games that I knew just kind of either through social media or had met at other competitions. Um, 
there was a couple of guys there who I knew of in social media and going into the competition, I was like, oh man, these kids are like young and really good. And then we competed and they did really well, but there were a lot of times I was like, oh man, the only reason you didn't do better in that event is simply because like you haven't competed that many times on the floor, which is funny for me to say, because like if they're here with that type of experience, like I'm only maybe right here where I'm like, I've only done it a couple more times. And then there's people there. Like I came off the floor at the end of the weekend and Matt was like, well, the fitness is there. Made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) Uh, So. Yeah. Very cool. So are you glad that they actually pushed all the, the, uh, you know, the tests and all that stuff like later on in the afternoon? Yeah. To be honest with you, the heat wasn't a huge issue for me personally. It typically doesn't bother me that much. Like I grew up working outside most of the days and, and people who aren't from New England forget this, but it gets really hot and humid here Mm -hmm. in the summer. Uh, and so it actually wasn't all that humid out there. It was hot and it was on turf. And so the turf was super hot, but day one, the heat wasn't a factor at all. We were at like nine o'clock at night. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool out day two. After the first workout, the locker room was a, like, it looked like a mass casualty event. Like people sprawled into the showers (laughs) and like just medical staff was like almost paired up with everybody yeah um and i was in there showering like i had matt had, he gave me a bucket i was like put ice in this put it on your head after every event immediately get into a cold shower when you get in because they didn't have ice baths was like go get a cold shower like get yourself starting to recover so i had been doing that and i started on day one even though it wasn't hot he was like do this on day one that way you'll be ahead of the curve so I was in the shower and the medical staff came up. They're like, are you good? And I was like, yeah, I've been doing this for all the events. And they're like, that's a really good idea. Uh, and I was like, not mine, but I just listened. I listened to what I was told. And so the heat wasn't a big factor okay. for me personally. Yeah. yeah. So what was your favorite event throughout the Granite Games? Oh, man, my favorite event was the – my favorite event was the D-ball one. Okay. Whereas wall ball, GHD, D ball, I made a lot of mistakes on that event, uh, but it was still my favorite one. And the event that I finished highest on was fun because I finished highest, but uh, the D ball event was probably the the one that I liked the best. Very cool. And then what was the mistake? Yeah. What was the mistake that you think you had that you needed to fix next time? If you on the D ball? Yeah. So the I only did well on that event because of the D ball. Like, that's one of the movements that I, I typically can move pretty well through. Mm-hmm. The wall balls, you'd have looked down and been like, has this kid ever done a wall ball? Like, what's going on down there? Like, I'm hitting myself in the face. Like, one time, one time I threw it up and it bounced off, like, the underside of it. And it came back at me so fast that I moved. And then it bounced off the ballistic block behind me. <laughs> and I, like, kind of caught it. And my judge and I both had this moment where we looked at each other and we were like, what's happening? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so the, the wall balls were just a big shit show. Yeah. Well, it was uh, even, even for the girl, even for the girls too, they had issues with the, with the wall balls too. I had, there was a couple girls that didn't even finish the wall balls. 
that target was a little higher yeah. than than people are used to yeah. for sure uh it was also we had to hit like a really specific piece of the target um so it was higher and it was a specific piece and so yeah a lot of people had trouble i just I just bubbled the ball a lot. Uh, my GHC setups were fine. I made a mistake a couple times where you had to get into the GHC and touch before you went down. Yep. Like I didn't touch. One time I got into, I did all my GHDs, thought my judge said I was done, got out, and he was like, no, you got one more. So I was already out of the GHC and I had to get back in for one more. All like my mistakes. And then I would get to the D ball, make up the ground I, I lost go back, lose some more ground, make up the ground that I lost. Um, and then on the second half of that event, there was D-ball stepovers. Yep. And so I practiced them a ton, and I practiced them holding the ball like this, which went fine in practice. And I did the I did that event in practice with the D-ball, stepping over the box in the same format that we had done it at Granite Games, mm -hmm. and like went way faster, like two times as fast as I went on the day and I'm walking over to the D ball for the first round of step overs and Matt's yelling, he's like, put it on your shoulder, put it on your shoulder. And so I did one on my shoulder and it kind of bobbled. And so my first set of step overs were like, I think I did one, two, two, five, yeah. two, like some crazy breakup. And then I went and came back and put it on my shoulder and just did all 11 and finished the event. And so just a dumb thing where I was like, I should have just taken a second and for 10 seconds, settled it, figured it out and just gritted through it. Uh, but stuff that I could, that I definitely took away from and learned from. Yeah. So are you, ha are you happy with your placement at the Granite Games or do you think that maybe you could have gotten a little bit higher at all or. Yeah. I'm happy with what I did. I'm not happy with where I placed. Mm -hmm. So I didn't walk away from the weekend disappointed because I went and like had a perfect performance and I missed out by a spot. Like that is what it is. And I didn't go have a perfect performance either and take, I took 12th. And so I had some performances I was like really stoked on. And it's like, great. Like if you can execute like that most of the time, then 12th won't be the placement. Um, and I had some performances where I was like, what, what were you thinking? Like figure it out. Uh, and so I walked away from the weekend, not disappointed at all, uh, but not happy with my placement. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, obviously you're talking about Matt a lot. So when did you get involved with like HWPO? Uh, well, Matt and I have been friends for a while, just through Sammy, Sammy, Matt and I have been friends. Um, and there was a few times that we trained together. There was like, I spent a week up in Vermont one time in 17 before he was going to regionals and then in 18 when i had made it and we were competing in different regions i went down and spent a week and we did some training together um so we've just kind of been buddies and when he retired we started to talk a little bit more and i was like hey man i'm gonna do your program when you release it and he's like oh if you want to test it let's do that like i could use some feedback and so started testing the program for him very cool and so that was in maybe march february uh march of this year yeah and obviously it's it's been hitting the ground running there's a lot of people on it so what what have you experienced like when you first started the program to to now 
So the program is not super far off of how I've trained for the last five years anyways. Mm -hmm. Not to say that it's not a great program. It's just the coach that I had for the past four years, uh, Adam, who owned the gym, like just had a very similar way of programming where things progressed. Like we weren't doing random things ever. If we did something, it had an intention. And so the, HW, the HWPO program maybe looks a little bit different on paper than that did. But the fact that there's nothing in the hard work pays off programming that is not thought through and that is on a progression and has like somewhere that it's going. Even the, so even the Metcons that might like look as though they're just random uh, so not the conditioning, like rowing and biking work, but the Metcons that would look a little more traditional CrossFit. If you got all 12 weeks of whatever phase you're in and you looked at them, you would see that the movement complexity gets a little bit uh, harder as you go on. Like the volume creeps up a little bit. Uh, the pairings get a little bit more intense, right? Which is something I don't think people always think about, right? Uh, so you might be doing... I don't know, off the top of my head, you might be doing like rowing and toes to bar in the beginning. And like eventually that turns into rowing and GHDs and sandbag cleans. Uh, where And that's like, that exists in one of the programs, but it just like, that's an example off the top of my head where like that combination is similar, similar, but it is far more aggressive with the that second pairing. Yeah. I like yeah. that one. Uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of, I mean, there's a lot of really solid workouts in there. They all are, but there's like a couple in there that are, are really nasty. Yeah. <laughs> like ones where I've texted him and been like, I really don't want to say this because this workout was so bad, but like, don't change it at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So what is it? What is it like being a coach at W uh, HWPO? So to be honest with you, like, I really haven't done much with them except for this past trip to the games. Yeah. And so they at Granite Games and at the West Coast Classic did the live sessions. They did 40-minute moms with everybody, and Matt got to go around, and he jumped in on some of them, and he also coached a lot. And that's something that he is really adamant about. So the West Coast Classic, it was a huge uh, group for their imam and he didn't get a chance to like at least get to everybody mm -hmm. to give them some type of cue and so going into the games one of the things that they were really focused on matt specifically was that he wanted to be able to go around and actually coach and not just be hey i'm matt and like welcome to the class i'm just going to be here yeah he was at the games everybody we have so on Thursday, we had like 30, 40, and 45 people in our classes. There's not a person that Matt didn't coach individually. Uh, and so I was really just there to say three, two, one, and make sure that <laughs> the class was running yeah. on time. Yeah. So it was really cool. I also coached a little bit and like definitely helped out. And we co-coached the classes in the sense that we were definitely working together. But Matt was coaching everybody and explaining the intention of the workout and, like, really running the room. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, it, it's even hard for one person to reach like 40 to 45 people in one class. So, I mean, at least yeah. it's, it's almost like kind of like divide and conquer. But obviously, like people are here to see Matt and they want to like, you know, talk to him and do his workout. But like at least they have somebody else that can kind of help them out. And, you know, and it's the whole process. It was cool. So it wasn't just me. Like I was saying three, two, one. And I was like guiding the class for sure. Mm-hmm. Sammy was running around, like making sure that people had what they needed. Uh, O'Keefe was running around for some of the classes. It was a full hands-on deck. There was another guy, Webb, there. Uh, it was a really cool environment too to coach a class. I've never coached a class like that where it's where it's a head coach, somebody kind of backing, and then Sammy and O'Keefe are running around making sure things are working, and then Fakey and Eric, the other photographer, are also running around. So there's like six of us HWPO staff that are all of this kind of playing support in this 45 person class. It was a cool environment to coach in for a week because typically when you're coaching classes in your gym, right, it's my 9am is my 9am. I know everybody and, and you deal with different problems, right? You're like, Oh, the 9am is a little bit down today. Like, let me lift them up. When you're dealing with 45 people coming to work out <laughs> it, with Matt, yeah. like they're, you're just like, all right, let me get everybody to talk to each other so it feels like a class and make sure that nobody is not knowing what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so it was, it was a chaotic environment, not to anybody other than like us in the sense that we were like, all right, let's make sure that everything goes well. And, and it went really well. Yeah. And I, I saw a video with the Buttery Bros. They did the HWPO workout too. What, 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 what are they like in, per- in real life? So I've met them at a ton of competitions. Uh, they're great. They're really cool. I like those guys a lot. Mars and Heber and, and Jules, who works with them, crush it. Uh, yeah. They're deaf on camera. Like, they are really up. They're definitely more chill off camera, but they're still exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, because like I, I watched so cool. it, I was like, they're like all over the place, jumping around, working out and stuff. And it's like, I mean, I, I always think I'm like, you, there's no way they can go be like that, like a hundred percent of the time. There's like no way. Uh, I don't know, man. Like they, <laughs> they go for it. Yeah, they are high energy. Yeah, uh, they're very high energy. Very cool. So even, yeah, the whole weekend, man. Yeah. They were just high energy all the time. Did Did you see the wedding that they that they did? I did not. Oh no! You got it. So YouTube, go on YouTube on the Buttery Bros like channel. So they married these two people in the RV parking lot, and Sa- Sammy made the cake. And yep. so I think it was uh, Hebert was the one that like did the vows and everything like that, and like Jules, uh, Jules was like the ring bearer. And then I think I think uh, Hebert, uh, not, not Mar, um, I think Hebert was uh, I forget he was like a girl. Uh, somebody Mar- Marson was the girl, so he had like a wig on and everything like that. And Hebert Hebert was the one that did the uh, the vows and everything. It was hilarious. You got to check it out. That's hilarious. I do have to check that out. Yeah. I didn't see. It. I mean, I knew all that was happening, but I did not actually watch it. Yeah, it's like a twenty minute like twenty minute video. If you just like sitting there, just you want to see something, you got it's you got definitely got to take a look at it. All right. So um. Obviously, you were you placed twelfth in the Granite Games. So, what are you? What's the next step for you trying to get to the games? So, I've got to shore up some some weaknesses 
that I've had. And uh, some athletes like to keep their weaknesses a secret. Like some are super open. You could just look at my performance and go, oh, that's the weakness. So <laughs> I've got to snatch more yeah. and just get stronger in that sense. Uh, and I really at baseline, like need to compete a little bit better. I need to just kind of tie together a performance that is not no mistakes. I mean, that would be nice, uh, but far less mistakes. Yeah. And at least you have a great yeah. coach to kind of like throw stuff at you too. So you're like, Hey, you know, what should I do with this? And obviously he can help you out with that too. Yeah. Matt and I, we talk a decent bit. He, and he would tell you this, like, he was a hundred percent my coach at Granite Games. Like, was was like, think about this, do that, do this. As far as training on a daily basis goes, I mostly just follow the HWPO program. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So we're getting close to the end. So I have a couple of quick questions, a couple of like you know rapid fire questions, kind of. Um, so let's just say you finished, stop coaching, stop doing CrossFit, you know, pretty much stop doing anything. How do you want people to know you as? I went deep wow. on the first one. Sorry. No, I like it. I like it. So take CrossFit away. Can't do it. Can't coach. Nothing else. How do I want people to know me? Like people that I interact with on the daily? Yeah, sure. Or like just like some random person that like sees sees you. Like you know what? What do you want them to know you as? Hmm. Well, I enjoy this. I enjoy conversation and connection. Uh, and so if you took CrossFit away and I just like, I don't know, worked a really normal nine to five and ran into people, I would, it's a really good question. Genuine. Like I would, I'd like to be known as, as genuine and not in the sense that I am like, that's such a genuine guy. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. like if I'm yeah. if I'm talking to somebody, I I wanna give them my attention. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So um, do you have a favorite book you like to read or like give out as a gift to people? Uh, I most recently have gifted the book How Bad Do You Want It? Okay. Uh, by Michael Fitzgerald. Yep. Which I wish the title wasn't so hardo, because mm -hmm. that's not really at all what the book is like. Have you read it? No, I it was it's on my list. It's super interesting. So he's, he's trying to talk about how, how to be mentally tougher mm -hmm. in endurance sports. Yeah. But really, it's just a compilation of a bunch of really cool endurance sports stories. And so I've gifted that book a couple of times to people. And then last year to my training partners, because I was reading it and still do, I gifted the Daily Stoic pretty okay. frequently. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So... Another question, what's in the gym bag? Uh, I go through a lot of phases with my gym bag. Like sometimes I will find the smallest backpack I have and just put my shoes and my shorts in there. Um, but my my main gym bag, I'm looking over at it right now. I've got right now I've got my running shoes in it. Uh, I always have my laptop in it because I do a lot of work just at the gym. Okay. So I'll just stay there all day. Uh I've got my grips, my knee sleeves, my RPM rope, and then I've got a little pocket where I've got like all my tape and miscellaneous random things. Mm -hmm. And then it's that, you know, that Reebok bag that, 
tag that everybody has that like zips all the way down. You can open it yeah, all yeah, the way up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have that. And so I find stuff at the bottom of that bag that I have no idea how it got there. <laughs> but typically I, I've just got like I've a belt. Like I've got really minimal stuff. I'm not weird about my equipment. Like I'm not very particular. Yeah. I borrow a lot of equipment all the time. Like I'll be like, oh man, I forgot my belt. Can I use your belt? Like yeah. yeah, I'm not very particular yeah. at all. Okay. So I've never asked this question before. So obviously, like, people sweat a lot, especially doing CrossFit. So what do you mm. do with your shirts? Like, do you, like, let them out to dry so they, like, like the sweat dries up? Or, like, how, like you were keeping it a ball and kind of, like, throw it, immediately throw it in the laundry? Like, what, what do you do? I used to be more routine when I was in college and was training twice a day because I would – train, go to class, be at class all day. So I'd change clothes. Like I would have to change clothes. Yeah. Uh, and so when I, when I was doing that, we have a, a closet at the gym that has all our tools and stuff in it. I would hang up my shirt on a hanger and it'd be dry. And I would typically wear it for the second session again. So I do like a cardio session in the morning. It would be super sweaty. But by the time I got back, it would be dry enough to wear again. So I just wear it. And at the time I was, I was uh, paying for laundry. So I was like, we're consolidating laundry here. <laughs> uh, I would change my shorts, but I was consolidating my shirts as much as possible. I'm also not a shirt off guy, yeah. like never really have been. Yep. And so I sweat through a lot of shirts. Now I kind of just throw it to the side. Um, this most recent training cycle leading into Granite Games, I would – I would just kind of train in the same shirt all day because mm -hmm. I wasn't coaching as much. So I like, I would just train, finish coaching or finish training, sit around, stretch, eat. And by the time I got to the second session, there was no, I wasn't like thinking about changing my shirt at all. I run myself into trouble though with shirts. Cause I'll, I'll put them in like this strap that's on the back of my backpack yep. and then I'll get inside and put my backpack in the corner and so I forget the shirt's there, and then I pick it up, and it stinks. Yeah. And so I get permanent stink on all my shirts, and so I have to cycle through them more frequently than I would like. Yeah. Have you ever tried white vinegar in the laundry? No. Try Does it, it work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I even do that with my knee sleeves, too. I'll put it in, like, a, like the, the sink and put, like, hot water, put, like, white vinegar in it, and then, like – rub it in and like you literally you'll see it's so gross but like you'll see the sweat and dirt like coming off the knee sleeves okay i'm gonna try that i have a bunch of white vinegar yeah so now there's three things you learned from me today so <laughs> yeah i'm gonna try them <laughs> yeah so i'm definitely gonna try that one because i've got some shirts that i want to save yeah that i don't want to be permanently smelly yeah try try putting white like a cup of white vinegar in it in the laundry okay and, it, and what it does it kills the smell and everything like that but like to, it, it does it to a point. It doesn't like fully make it like smell like a brand new shirt, but like you'll have like a little. It won't stink as bad as you think it will. Okay, so I can extend the life. Yes, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. I've got a, I've got one shirt that I like enough that I'm just like I'm just going for it. Like yeah. I'm gonna smell real bad today, and that's fine. Yeah, that was me playing lacrosse in college. I wore the same shirt every single game. Never never washed it. It was like the whole season. It just smelled so bad. It's like oh, uh, that that's how I was in football in high school too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, what are your goals for the rest of the year with like CrossFit or even like just like personals? Uh, so my goals for the rest of the year with CrossFit are 
I'm going to spend the rest. I'm going to compete a couple times in the off season. Uh, so I'll probably do filthy 150. Um, and then I might do a bigger competition later on in the year. Mm-hmm. And I might do a small, small local comp where there's a lot of big hitters at, uh, just as a tune up. And I'm going to run a bunch of experiments. To be honest, I'm going to try to go into a competition a little less fit and a little stronger and more powerful. And so just kind of do the opposite of what comes naturally to me. Cause I would rather do a 60 minute biker piece than I would, uh, like some assault bike sprints yeah. for sure. Yep. And so I'm going to try to do a lot more of that, a lot more strength work, which I enjoy. I love strength work. Uh, so I do a lot of strength work, a lot of, of power work and like traditional Metcon work and see how that goes at this tune up competition in October. And if I go into that and I am just thrashed, uh, I'll make some adjustments and do a little bit more aerobic work moving forward, but that'll be about a month out from filthy 150. And so that'll be kind of my, my litmus test of, okay, keep going this direction. It's working or it's not. And four weeks out from the filthy 150 is enough time for me to like make some changes and go there and compete and get some more experience and figure out if the way that I'm training is working. Uh, and then through the winter, I'll probably dial it back a little bit uh, and continue to just try to get stronger and keep my aerobic base. And then I'll really dial in and try to qualify for the games next year. So yeah. did you, did you see that Wadapalooza just released their dates? I did. Yeah. Are you thinking about doing that at all or? Yeah. What was the qualifier? October 4th. I, I didn't, I didn't look at the qualifier. I just saw like the opening dates was like January 10th or something like that. Yeah. I, I am thinking about doing it. Yeah. Cause I think that's such a good competition to practice the, the pressures of competing at because mm-hmm. it's such an event yeah. Uh, that, yeah, there's no better place to really like practice that. Yeah. And you can get a tan and look good too at the same time. And yeah, true. I have also, I've competed at Wadapalooza on a team multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first time I competed at Wadapalooza, I was a 16, I was in the 16 to 18 year old, division oh very cool so i competed as an 18 year old and that was the only individual water blues i've done so i'd like to compete as an actual adult yeah, <laughs> at a awesome. well i'm not sure i'm an actual adult but as a as like the open at a water blues very cool so um, yeah. if where can people reach out to you if they have any questions about you know yourself or you know training or whatsoever yeah uh just my instagram jake marconi it's just my name uh, yeah, and I res- I try to respond to most of my DMs. He does very he does very good, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. For I don't get that. I don't get that many, so it's not that hard. <laughs> well, it's probably more, it's a lot more than me, so I'll give you that. So, <laughs> but uh, but thank you for coming on. Uh, this is probably the second longest episode we've I've, I've actually recorded with somebody. So thank thank you for your time, you know, and just learning about you. And you know, I, I'd love to get you back on or. Whenever I get back up to Massachusetts, I'd love to get down to Providence and just like go down. Yeah. Come do some training. I'm totally down. I'd love to come back on as well. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. And I'll that was talk a good chat. Yeah. Thank you.
What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I'm doing my first ever contest for this podcast. All you need to do is to enter in this podcast is three things. Subscribe to the channel, leave a five-star review, and also write a review. Uh, it's going to be starting with this episode with Jake Marconi all the way down to the end of September. What I'll do is I'll pick someone at random, and you'll be getting free some free Type 1 Lifting gear. So all you need to do, like I said before, subscribe to the channel leave a five-star review, and also write a review. Best of luck, guys. Super excited for this episode. Have a good one.